Hey, what's up? This is Matt Harvey from Exhumed, Gruesome, Founder, Left to Die, and many others that you may know and may even tolerate. And you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast, so turn it up. Phantasm. Maximum terror. Ah! That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. You know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor. I haven't done an in-person interview in three years, and I am here today with one of the heroes of this podcast. He's been he and his uh, cohorts have been doing this since we started this seven years ago. We're here with Matt Harvey from Exempt. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I think this is what the millionth interview i was gonna say fifth sixth something it's up there yeah it's almost well i mean you know luckily for us we're always doing something so uh, we always have some excuse to shoot the shit you know so awesome yeah we were sitting here before talking comics but um you're on this great tour package um yeah how's that uh it's going really good man this is week one um the wrap-up of week one but it's a seven-week tour which is a fucking monster i mean even for us seven weeks and one go for a long time so um, we're out here supporting uh, the Cavalera brothers. They just did their re-recording awesome. of Morbid Visions and Bechdel Devastation. And I know I'm also a guy who's kind of leery about re-recordings, but I actually really like the, the recording. Oh, right. And um, they play a lot with the same intensity. And it's it's been really it's crazy because every night they're playing, I'm like, I never thought I'd hear that song live. And then the next song, I was like, I never thought I'd hear that song live. I was like, show me the wrath. Holy fuck. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's um, awesome. Great people, great crew. Everything's cool, man. Awesome. So uh, just to ask you this because I'm a huge fan of this as well. What's going on with the, in the gruesome camp? Uh, we are actually right about halfway done with the new record for real this time. Like final demos. Nice. Like we've kind of had some songs kicking around for a couple of years, but between everything Possessed has been doing, you know, since the sure. pandemic, everything I've been doing with Exhumed and then Left to Die became a thing. So Gus yeah. and I got busy. Robin's out with Castrator. And because we're doing the human kind of era, it's something that we really have been, I don't know, we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. And um, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to live up to, you know, because not just Chuck, but also Sean is no longer with us. Sure. And Sean and, and our drummer Gus were very close friends. So it's like, you know, this one, I don't know, it's also a little bit less in my wheelhouse and more in Dan's wheelhouse. Right. He's more of a tech guy, so I feel like I really want to, you know, it's not good enough until he says it's good enough. Whereas before, I'd be like, "No, dude, come on, this is scream bloody gore." I know, I, I know this. I got this cold, dog. Um, but I'm really excited, actually. The, the the demos are kind of like shockingly good. I feel weird saying that about my own thing, but because it's a tribute to Chuck, I don't really think of him as like my song. Sure, sure. You know, <laughs> but I, I'm really happy with it, and I'm I'm really excited about. It. We were. We're trying to get into the studio by the end of this year, but uh, it's going to be a push. But we're, we're going to keep working, and we'll see what happens. 
I love the band. It's so great. Um, it, it's it's cool that you guys are still uh, doing that. And in every record, it's been fun to just visit that era and everything. And then it is just cool. It's very much like. Um I don't know, it's fan service in the way that you don't see a lot of in music, you know, but you do see it in film and certainly in comics, um, where people are like, hey, wait a second, that's, ah, oh, I know this, they're like, oh shit, and uh, for me it's fun, just because obviously being a big Death fan, sure. uh, kind of putting all that stuff in there and sort of, you know, calling out to other people that are just as nerdy about it as I am, and be like, Wink, wink. Sorry, this is an audio format. <laughs> you couldn't see the wink, so I had to say wink. Um, so that's really fun. And, you know, obviously people that weren't there in the, you know, in the late 80s and then in the 90s right. seeing the band and stuff, it's neat for them as well, which is something that I didn't expect when we started this. So it, it turned out real cool. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and then um, as far as... Exhumed. So you've got the latest record, which we talked about last year. Right. It's incredible. Um, you've got the new EP. Right. So we sort of did um, we did an EP before the record for the first tour back that we did. And then now we're doing an EP after the record, which ah. is sort of marking the end, it's like the bookend of this touring cycle. Um, we really, we have a bunch of stuff that's sort of becoming old in numbers that seemed significant and that was kind of where we were going to turn our focus which would have been more like headlining tour stuff but um you know it's not every day that you get an offer to go out supporting max and igor it's pretty awesome playing you know some of the coolest shit that that really never got its due so we basically sort of pushed that timetable forward to accommodate doing this but we wanted to do something to kind of just you know right to, to commemorate this tour, to, to kind of, you know, from the record label perspective and then the, the publicist, people keep everybody happy and we always have material, so that wasn't an issue. And so yeah, we put together a three, a three song EP and um, I'm actually really stoked on it. And yeah, so it's cool. So with the, uh, did you all physically release it or is it just digital? It's digital it? only. The, okay. the schedule was so tight between getting the offer for this tour figuring out what the EP was going to go on. Then we toured for two weeks with Venomink, went to Japan, went to Australia, came home, finished the EP, turned it in, and then <laughs> then, it was, then there was a bunch of other shit to do to get ready for this tour, and we expanded our studio, and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it was just like a fucking marathon, basically, since June. I'm more relaxed on tour than I have been since, like, the beginning of June. It's that's, been run. That's how much work it was. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been crazy. Now, have you, uh, just little stuff, nothing too big reveal, anything for the next record? Are you already kicking tires on that? We have um, we have a lot of ideas. Um, really, the, the thing is that for next year, we're probably going to be doing, like, more commemorative stuff because, like I said, we, I don't want to, you know give away too much just because it pisses of off the powers yeah, of yeah. me. And I also don't want to undermine, you know, people that are excited about this tour, but we have a lot of plans in place that are sort of revolve around the earlier records nice. for next year because a lot of them are getting long in the tooth. And so there's some reissues and some various kind nice. of you know, things that are they're kind of coming together around that. Cool. But we do have a pretty good idea of a lot of the next record, but we're we're in a position now where there's so much sort of past catalog material that's going to be kind of resurfacing that we're under no pressure to to really 
do anything, which is kind of fun because usually we're in a very kind of rigorous Cycle. schedule. Yeah. yeah. So we, we've had time to just sort of like wait until like an idea came to us and we're like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, look at this. We could do this and that. And I'm like, we can just put a pin in this for a couple months and we'll talk about it later. And then, you know, that's cool. So yeah, it's, um, it's going to be fun. And we did this whole EP ourselves, you know, recording. We didn't master it, but did all the recording and the mixing ourselves this time as well. So in the studio that you all yeah yeah exactly it was so. new last time I actually saw you in person right so. right um, <laughs> so you know it's kind of given us a, a, a lot of confidence for the next record that we're basically going to do almost everything just in house nice and which and you know we're trying to think about what that will allow us to do with the, you know how we how we make the records and the time scheduling and the, and the rehearsing and the writing and and be able to to really do it at our leisure because we're always fucking you know there's always like oh shit the next thing oh shit oh shit you know right so as now do you if you could do and i don't think i've ever asked you this before i was always curious to know this you, you do these rigorous tour cycles um, do you? Is it fun to just go do festivals sometimes? Just do one-offs? Do you, do you like that, or or is that actually more stressful? I find it way more stressful. Oh, okay. Because on tour, you know, we have all of our own equipment. We have our own vehicle. Right. We have generally our own sound guy. You know, our own merchandiser, and you can kind of plan a little bit more accurately if you know you're playing thirty shows. Well, cool. Then you can make a bunch more T-shirts, and even if you don't sell all right. of them, you're like, well, cool. We've made our money back, and yeah. then some. You know, on week two of this fucking four-week tour. Whereas when you're doing a festival, you're flying in, you don't know what the gear is going to be, you don't know what the sound system is going to be, you don't know what the circumstances are going to be, and um, it's just a lot less predictable. And because we're not a band that like lives in the same city and like gets together three nights a week and practices. It's not like we don't rehearse until there's something to do. So it's not like, oh yeah, of course, we're just sitting around hanging out practicing. Like, we'll just come and play wherever. So the amount of prep for one show is not that much less than the amount of prep for 30 shows. Gotcha. So I would rather just play 30 shows because it's like, it's more financially viable for us to keep doing this. And like I said, we know we know what we're getting into. It's, uh, you know, the more control we have over it. We don't have to talk about it on here, but <laughs> one of the first interviews I ever did with you in person, you were telling me about a, a debacle in Mexico. <laughs> Which debacle? Oh, when I went to jail? Yes. That one? I was going to say, there's been a couple. One that time. was the one. And okay. then <laughs> someone else, I think, had to do your... Yeah, yeah. I went to, um, we were playing a, a festival in Guadalajara. And um, it's a pretty big festival with like Judas Priest and Overkill and oh wow, I think Grim Reaper played and nice. Carcass and anyway, so we're all really excited. We love Mexico. We love playing down there. The people sure. are great. The food's great. Uh, the audience is always killer. And um, as actually right before Ross rejoined officially, he was just kind of doing some film shows for us at that time. And I thought to my, I had this big plan. You know, because Ross and I were really good friends growing up, and then we kind of fell out and lost touch, and then, the, you know, he was sort of slowly realizing that it would be cool to come back, and I thought, all right, we're going to play this show in front of like 3,000 people, it's going to kick ass, and they're like, so, why don't you come back and just actually be in the band, it'll be like the perfect moment, you know, probably put more 
you know, thought into this than like proposing my wife, honestly. Uh, she'll never listen to this, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and so, anyway, so we go down there, and I got pulled aside at customs, and they're like, oh, you have this bullet belt in your guitar case, which was actually my wife's bullet belt. Uh, oh. And um, I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, she's going to be so pissed because they're going to have to throw it away and this and that. I was like, all right, I'm sorry, like, whatever, just take it. And they're like, no, no, you can't have this. I'm like, yeah, I know, just take it. And I, I speak very little Spanish, um, despite being from California, which is mildly embarrassing. And anyway, so the, the, the guys finally explained to me, he's like, no, this is only the military can have this caliber of bullet. Mm. I'm like, but these aren't real bullets, and there's no gunpowder in that. I don't know. And they're like, no, we have to take you uh, to the holy cell overnight. And I was oh, like, what? He's like, but you'll be out by 9 in the morning. And, this. and I was like, fuck, really? Okay. So I'm letting everybody know. The, the, the people from the festival were wonderful. They came with me. And they're like, all right. And um, the issue was, though, because I didn't speak Spanish, I needed a translator. And the only translator was, like, apparently quite far away and doing something else that was far more important. So by the time the following morning, because they brought me up, and I was like, cool, I'm ready to go. And they're like, no, actually, you're just going to, like, get your picture taken, take your fingerprint, this and that. And, um, you know, and so then I had to go back down. I was like, shit. And then I, the, you know, the wheels start turning. Obviously, you're sitting in jail. It's not like you Oh, it's scary. Yeah, right, you don't have your phone. You can't talk to anybody. It's like... So first, my goal was like, well, if I get out at nine, I can still like change my strings like I was going to, and right. this and that. And I was like, well, I won't be able to change my strings. And then I was like, fuck, well, what if, you know, if I miss the show, and then if I'm here another day, then I start thinking like, you know, if I'm here longer than like a day or two, like, what am I gonna do? Who am I gonna call? How right. am I gonna work it out with the fucking this and that? Finally, right before we're scheduled to go on, the translator comes, and he speaks perfect English, thankfully, and he explained to me, he's like, well, the He's like, this whole thing is ridiculous, and normally they would never have done this, but there was a huge shootout between the cartel and the federales, like, apparently a couple days within a week before, Um, and so there was, like, a super crackdown, everything was like, you know, we're not letting anything slide, like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's the only reason they held you here, but it's also the reason that I'm busy is because some of them have American lawyers. And so I have to go there and talk to them on behalf of the state, and now I have to come here and do all this. And I was like, so, like, am I like, what happens to me? Like, can I come back here? Like, yeah, it's fine. This is basically just a warning. I'm like, that's it? I was like, all that for a warning? Like, I've been... That's scary. Yeah, I've been in jail for, like, you know, 18 hours, and it's like... No problem re-entering. No, nothing. Everything's fine. So I get back, and they had just finished. Oh shit! And um, you know, Ross and Bud ended up doing my vocal parts somewhat. You know, I they let me out. I talked to our agent at one point, and he's like, "What? What should I tell these guys?" I'm like, "Tell them to play the fucking show, because I don't know. This could cost a lot of money, and we're gonna need the money for the show." Right. Yeah. And it ended up not costing any money, and I have no criminal record in Mexico. It just was a really weird happenstance, and I waited a couple of months to ask Ross to join. He still said yes, so it's fine. But yeah. you, you would think they could just Google you and be like, I mean, there's photos got to be out there of you with the bullet belt. Yes. And I mean, I explained to them, and they're like, It's yeah. like, I'm a performer. Right. And that's what I said. It's, I'm not being disrespectful. It's a costume. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and they're like, 
even the, the the airport security guy was like, I know, I don't think you're doing anything. However, I have to do this. Right, it's part of the. You know, he was a, you know, it was cool. It was a really weird experience. They took me to like a urgent care center, but it was in like a high school gymnasium. Weird. It was a very dimly lit high school gymnasium, and the doctor took me away from the police, and they're like, and I was like, what's going on? And they're like, well, we gotta examine you. I was like, what? So I'll tell you on my shirt, this and that. They're like, so they didn't like beat you up, and I was like. No, they were actually really nice. Right. <laughs> it, did, it did kind of start out like an X Files episode. Yeah, I was just like, "What the fuck world have I like stumbled into?" It was like, "This is not the place for me." Um, but it all turned out fine. And the guys that I was in the cell with, they were just like these two drunk dudes. Because that was my other thought. I was like, "Okay, I'll be out in eighteen hours, but like, or twelve hours, or however long I thought it was going to be." I'm like, "But what are those twelve hours going to be like?" Uh, yeah. They turned out to be totally fine. The, promo- the promoters brought me some snacks and the Coca Colas, which I shared with the guys. I'm like, here, you guys want some bimbo cakes and Coke or whatever. Cool. And they were cool and slept on a cot. And that was it. That's not too bad. <laughs> you said the other time. I've got to ask because I've not heard the other. Uh, the other time was not quite as dramatic. Uh, we got done playing and um, we were playing another festival. And I don't know what it was I ate because I, I love Mexican food. And I love my sure. food in Mexico, especially. So I was eating everything and anything. And I was going to settle up with the promoter, which turned into turned out to be like an hour and a half long ordeal just to get him to finally sit down and give me the fucking money. Um, That's weird. But he paid me, and it was fine. But by the time he paid me, I was like, oh shit! I like I could feel my stomach. I've been drinking, but I hadn't been drinking enough to feel what I was feeling. Right. And he left and I vomited like I've never vomited in my life. Like come streaming out my nose. Uh, obviously lots of hot sauce and all this shit. So it's just my whole face oh my God. burning. I'm like sobbing. My nose is on fire like I did the worst cocaine in the world. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop throwing up and shitting. And they took us to the wrong terminal in the Mexico City airport. It's a huge airport. Yeah, and so by the time we figured out where we were supposed to go and walk to the other terminal, I had to stop every single restroom and go to the bathroom. Like every, you know, it's oh, awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, every two hundred paces, I'm just like fucking just shitting water while I'm throwing up in a bucket. We finally get to the terminal. We missed our flights, and it's like, oh fuck. But that was just, you know, whatever. That was just a hilarious poop and barf story. We missed our flight. We were delayed by a few hours. Cost a hundred bucks. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, you know. Much better than the other one, what could have been the other one. Yeah, so I had a couple of near misses, you know, and it was really funny because I remember after the whole, like, night in jail thing, I I remember, like, I was talking to the guys at the label about it. I was like, I don't know, man, you think this is, like, publicity worthy? Like, I don't know, maybe we can, you know, write a story about it and see if anybody picks it up. And then the next morning, an article came out that the guys in Destruction got held up at gunpoint driving through Mexico. And I was like, well, that's a much more interesting story. So go with oh that. my lord! <laughs> you know the the festivals down there. I've only been to one, uh-huh. and it was like twenty years ago. I went to see. Um, well, the reason I went, I saw a bunch of stuff, but I, I went to see. Um, oh gosh, the black metal band that doesn't basically exist anymore. They're down to just pest. I can't think of their name right now. Okay, I'm not, I don't know. Frank from Obituary was in it too. Uh, I'm, okay. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on this, but I went to see basically the original lineup of that band. Okay. Uh, with the controversial vocalist and controversial bass player and the, gotcha. the bloodletting and all the cool. And it was cool. But it was also one of those things where my cab driver was like, 
when you you know go to your hotel because again I'm a quarter Cuban and I don't know I, I should know Spanish or something and, right right and I get to the hotel and he's like just stay in your hotel and I was just like I'm staying in my hotel right and there's your uh, $50 tip because <laughs> I appreciate the, just the heads up right, just right. keep me safe but, but no it was cool um, yeah, usually when we go down there, we're out a lot, but we're always, we always have somebody with us. Sure. The show promoter or the tour manager or He's somebody. Good. Right. And they're like, hey, this is totally chill. Like, wherever you guys go around here, just fucking have fun. Don't go over there. And it's just like, it's like going to any major city here. It's like going to Los Angeles or Baltimore yeah, or Nashville or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you've never been there, especially if you don't speak the language, you know, it's... Street Be slides. careful, yeah. <laughs> Gorgoroth is who I was trying to think about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gorgoroth. So it was cool. Okay. I could see them in their proms. That okay. was kind of cool. Nice. But anyway, but um, so as far as... Because I actually don't think I've ever asked you this. Um, how did... So Gruesome, which I love, and Pounder I love. Oh, I would you. love another Pounder. That would, I, well, that's we're just waiting on the artwork right now. For the fuck, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad I asked you about there that. You go. Um, I love it. The first, it's so good. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's killer. I love the stuff you do. Obviously, um, a little biased here, but hey, it's great <laughs> stuff. You know, you, you should buy it and, and, and spend money with him. He's a, Matt's a great guy. Um, but do you did you expect gruesome to be? Because it seems like oh, Lord, you okay? I'm good. Yeah. Um, did you expect gruesome to be? What it is like? It's got really popular. No, right. In a word, absolutely not. I did never occurred to me. I thought it was kind of a goof. Obviously, it was like a goof that we put a lot of effort into right. and work. And I really, you know, I wanted it to be great. But I really just was doing it. I, I was like, you know, there's going to be a small group of people that probably love it, and then a the, the little smaller group of people that probably might hate it because they might think it was disrespectful or whatever. And then that'd be it. Right. And you know. But it'd be a little blip on the radar, and I didn't even think there'd be a second album. I remember talking to my wife at the time, and she's like, oh, "Now you're gonna start touring with this band too, and this and that." <laughs> and I was like, "We might play a show, maybe." And I always, every time I do something, I look at her and she's like, "Don't fucking say it! Don't fucking say it!" And I'm like, "Okay, I know, I, I, I won't say it." But I'm very, I mean, I'm really grateful that. Because obviously the people that were, you know, aimed for is death bands, and we're death bands, and the fact that death bands like what we do enough to support oh, it. Oh yeah, it's killing. I mean, that's just like that's very humbling, um, you know, and it's led to a lot of really cool stuff. Like, um, you know, Gus and I, our Gus, the drummer for Gruesome, we're playing with Terry and Rick, and which West is really cool. And we just announced the Western U.S. tour uh, Tuesday, yesterday, Thursday morning. So, you know, and that wasn't something I put together. It was like literally Rick called Terry. I was like, what do you think about these guys? And Terry's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're friends of mine. Like, you want to do leprosy? I'm sure they'd be into it. And I was just like, to get that call from those guys, it's just like, I mean, if I could go back in time and tell my, you know, 13-year-old self that, I would uh. fucking probably shit my pants more than I did in Mexico, you know? <laughs> I would lose my mind. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I love what you're all doing because it's it's... It's just perfect. It's not like some of the other stuff that was out there where I just felt like I'm talking about. I'm not going to say anything specific, but some stuff that happened about ten years ago. Now it wasn't really my kind of thing, but I, I think I it, love what you're all doing. Though I love. I think it's incredibly respectful, and the music's good. 
that's I mean the most the most important thing to me whether people like it or not is that they know that it's respectful oh yeah that was the you know that was the thing I was really cautious about and I have seen a couple people say that they're like oh these guys are trying to make money off some dead dude's work mm-hmm. and I'm like I I can understand why you would think that but we really tried to let people know that it's like this is just a love letter to this you know? yeah and with Let's Die it's cool too because you know, with Rick and Terry, it's a very specific lane that we're in. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't have to worry about individual thought patterns or, you know, all these, like, intricate guitar lines or anything. It's like, hey, cool. Like, do you like the first two albums? It's like, sweet. That's what we do. Right. And we, we, we're very in that lane. We don't have to play Zombie Ritual and then play Trap in a Corner or, you know, kind of have the, the breadth of the catalog that, you know, all the Death to All guys are all friends of ours. and Sure, sure. You know, like... We're buddies, you know. We we play with those guys, and I would not. I don't envy what they do because it's a tough task. That's that's an undertaking to please the people that came in at the end and only like that stuff and don't like the early stuff, and then the people that came in at the beginning and don't really like this. It's like, dude, how do you walk that line and how do you execute all that material well? So I mean, I have nothing but that's a lot. Yeah, I I love. I don't know how they do that, honestly. It's fucking impressive. So. With Left and I, it's very specific. We just do one thing. So if you want that, cool, we'll do that for you. If you don't want that, cool, then don't come to the show. Yeah, and it's straight up, and you don't, yeah. you get what you get. Yeah. Did now, as far as playing, because I, I never got to ask you this, how did the thing with Terry and, and Rick happen? I don't know the story. Well, basically, um, Gus and I got tapped to do a spiritual healing show in Tampa with James and Terry. I remember that. Right, and so we did that, and um, Rick. I don't know if he watched it live or somebody showed it to him or something. And he was really surprised. He's like, they did like a like a live webcast for this and people tuned in and like people were really that interested. And really. he was like, Yeah. He's like, huh. And he just was like, you know, he thought Gus and I did a good job, which was really cool. Obviously Terry, you know, Terry goes without saying. Like Terry's Terry. He's great. Um, oh, terrible. You know, he, he he doesn't he's living up to himself. We have a lot more to live. We they were a little bit more than a magnifying glass. And um, but he he thought we did a good job. And he was like, Oh, I wonder if these guys would be down to do it with leprosy. And so he he talked to Terry and you know, they were both into it and thought it'd be cool and obviously we were very into it and thought it was it's super, super cool. cool. It's insane. I love that for you and Gus. It's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It couldn't happen to better people. Like I love it because you guys are into it. Like and I think because the stuff I'm talking about, it just it feels like there were way too many people that were critics of Chuck that never saw Chuck. And I'm like Guys, you know, enjoy this. Like, right. I understand you're trying to be, but you never even saw him. Like, you should enjoy people trying to celebrate his memory, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, to me, it's like, you know, I've heard people talk about the, uh, the documentary and various things about Chuck, and it's like, whatever. I didn't know the guy. I, I, I don't really care, honestly. Like, to me, I, I love his music. It was super important to me. Oh, yeah. And regardless of anything else, like, the guy died way too young. And, you know, I think about some of the stuff that that he did in his early career that people, you know, thought was kind of shitty. And it's like, oh, I could see that. It's justifiable. Um, But it's like he also died when he was, like, in his early 30s. Like, if I I was going to be judged for the rest of my life on the stuff that I did at 21, I would not really want that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I feel like he never... And it's also sad because... 
the last time I saw death, you know, they were kind of their their career has such a roller coaster, not just stylistically, but even just the status of the band, you know. Was with, it the last two? Yeah, yeah, with Hammerfall. Oh yeah, dude, um, I saw that was the first time yeah. Hammerfall did a US tour. Yeah, 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 and it was like, you know, I'd, I'd seen him for Spiritual and for Human and for I don't can't remember symbolic or individual. I missed one and saw the other, but you know, it was like, wow, this band like their fortunes are not what they used to be, you know, and it was kind of like clawing back. And you know, I don't think he really ever got to see how much his music actually ended up being. Oh no! And I think he's more popular now than, than he ever, was you know? twenty-five years ago. I mean, that, and that's the thing that's you know, not to get like sappy or, or sentimental or whatever, but it's really cool to me. Like I've met Chuck's sister Beth a couple times. Nice. Um, and she's just like, I love what you guys are doing. Like you keep my brother's music alive. And so I was she like, okay. Cool. And then I was just like, you know what, internet hater guy, comment, dude, like, comment away. It's all good. You're completely entitled to feel however you want to feel. Sure. If Beth thinks it's fine, I can go to sleep at night and just feel totally good about it, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, I, I, I knew Sean, he thought it was great. I knew, like I said, I know all the DTA guys. Right. So it's like, I feel very comfortable with what we're doing because if we were doing something in... Beth was like, this is fucked up. I was like, oh, fuck, well, I guess we should stop. But because that's not like, I'm, oh, I mean, sure, right. Sure. I just want to, you know, it's like basically, I've spent several years just basically telling Beth via these records, like, hey, your brother was pretty good at guitar. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I, I love that. You, yeah. That's amazing that y'all have that too. That's cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's neat. Man. Did she ever come out and see you guys? Yeah, she's come out a few times. That's incredible. I always like people like, oh, Beth's here, and I'm like, oh, God, I feel so weird. <laughs> and then she's like super sweet, and I'm like, oh, you, you remember who I am? Okay, okay. <laughs> that's incredible, dude. Um, so as far as um, go way back when. You're working at the comic book store. <laughs> what what attracted you uh, to Silver Age books? I think the thing the thing with Silver Age books for me is uh, this is obviously a complete abrupt change of gear. <laughs> we did we did I, I yeah no, I, love I can't it. keep the man all night I would but <laughs> I can't. Um, when I was a kid, I used to to uh, you know just do extra chores around for money. And basically, my mom, I would do weeding in the garden, and she would give me 50 cents. This is uh, probably around 83, 84. Sure. It would have been somewhere between 7 and 9. And current comics were 60 cents at the time. Yep. However, you could get back issues of reprints, because they were never going to accrue in value, for 50 cents. And obviously, like, Spider-Man was, you know, the guy I was patterning my life after, or whatever, at seven. Um, and so I would get all these Marvel Tales reprints, because I could get them, my, my allowance was for new comics. And then my extra money, I could get either, you know, one new new comic and then a Slurpee, or I could get two Silver Age reprints. Or, um, what was the other one? It was uh, Marvel's Greatest Comics, did the old Fantastic Four stuff, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Marvel Spectacular did some of the Thors. And I kind of realized as I kept reading comics, especially in the early 90s, like superhero comics were changing direction in, in a way that I did not care for. Yep. It was like the Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, early image, art, no story, no character at all. That. Yes. Just a lot of posing and like, you know, 44 triple E tits on like a, you know, eight inch waist kind of figure drawing and the 
thought the art was ugly. I thought the stories were non-existent. Certainly, like Jim Lee is a great artist. It's not my cup of tea, but some of the other art I just thought was ugly and inept. And what I kind of realized is that the Silver Age stuff had been in the background of everything that I'd been reading and everything that I liked. And I loved how goofy it was that there's just a guy who just like glues people to the wall. That's what he does. Yeah. I'm Pace Pot Pete. I glue the human torch to the wall. That's my thing. And it's just, I was like, this is so fun and lighthearted. And it has informed all the comics that I actually liked and was informing all the comics that I still liked in the superhero realm. So to me, it was like the ultimate sort of antidote to the, to the image comics. And so I just dove headfirst into that. Oh, it's great shit. And I would find um, there were these weird random VHS tapes that had like the old 60s Marvel cartoons on them, which are just lightly animated. I mean, animated is generous. You know, little panels from the comics where the mouth moves. Yep. And all these corny sound effects. And I was just like, this is fun. This makes me feel like a kid and, you know, gives me that sense of enjoyment that I don't get from comics now, you know, or at least from superhero comics yeah. that were coming out in 1993, you know? so. Yeah, yeah I, what about uh, your favorite rogues gallery? You I mean, And you can pick a silver and a, or excuse me, you can pick a uh, Marvel <laughs> and a DC. Okay, that's good. I mean, I think it's pretty tough, but I, I really think... It's a cliche answer, but I think Spider-Man no, it's is shit. my favorite. It's the shit. Like the Fantastic Four of Doctor Doom is my favorite whatever antagonist. I don't even know if I call it going. But like Spider-Man, that first round where you've got you know, the lizard, Craven the Hunter, Doctor Octopus, Green Goblin, Sandman, Electro, um, Mysterio. Myster- oh yes, thank you. Uh, they're just, all those guys are so neat and so interesting and I love Ditko style. I think that's the the best Marvel rogues gallery, and the fact that it's still aside from Venom and Carnage, that those are the only two major foes that have stuck since you know. I mean, Romita did the Kingpin in the Silver Age, but really after Ditko, there's the Kingpin, Venom and Carnage. Even though Jackal didn't really stick in the '70s, you know. Um, so really, what Ditko in those Punisher. first 30 issues. Yeah, but is he a hero? Is he a villain? Right, he's you know, just like got the, Morbius, too. Which yeah. Is, <laughs> I, I guess that is technically Bronze Age, because Kirby was... Yeah, it starts going... Bro- yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm cheating now. I'm going into... But, yeah, but I think I think when... I think I marked the Bronze Age as starting when Kirby leaves Marvel. Absolutely. That's like the thing. And then, I would say DC, I love the Flash. The Flash's Rose. God, Howard. you literally read my mind. It's so fun. Mirror yeah. Master is like my favorite. He's so neat. Ah, uh, fuck. He's my favorite. Yeah. Oops. Him and Elongated Man and, and Gorilla Grodd. How can you go wrong? Gorilla Grodd is fantastic, but you've got, you know, obviously you have the turtle who's the opposite. But you got Heat Wave, you've got Captain Cold. Um, I forget What's uh, Captain Sister, the Golden Racer or whatever? Yeah. Uh, Golden Glider. Golden Glider. Golden Glider. you got the Rainbow Raider, uh, Pied Piper, Weather Wizard. Um, You're killing it today. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it is a great logo. And it, they're all really different and gimmicky. The trickster. the trickster, right. Mark Hamill. Yeah. I mean, that was like, uh, he kind of fell off my radar completely after Star Wars. And then somebody told me, like, you got to watch this Flash show. Mark Hamill on it. And I was like, what? And that was, I mean, for its time, that was a great TV show. It was great. I mean, because I grew up with, like, Wonder Woman and the Hulk. And I was like, this is certainly better than those shows. Oh, Although, yeah, it's a good show. I'd rather watch Linda Carter run around in tights. 
Oh, but, absolutely. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself watching that show. I was just like, I want Wonder Woman to tie me up. <laughs> yeah. And and for me, it was Aaron Gray from Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. Her and Heather Thomas from The Fall Guy. Thank you, yeah. because everyone always Heather Locklear. I'm a Heather Thomas guy. Heather Thomas. Is, I have a friend had, from Heather Thomas for that swimsuit, the pink the hot tub photo session. Oh, dude, it's the every every straight male in America over forty three knows exactly what that is. Even if they don't know who she is, they'll see it and be like, "Oh, that." She there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember watching her on um, a few years ago. It's, well, it's been probably about 10 years ago. ESPN was showing the old uh, celebrity. Oh, the Battle of the Network Superstars. Yeah. Yeah. And she was on there running around, no bra, and I'm just like, God bless you. Right? What a wonderful woman. Heather Thomas, you're amazing. You're a gorgeous woman. Just thanks <laughs> for existing. Yeah. It, At the same time I was alive. <laughs> like, that's what's really nice. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's funny with Spider Man, though, like, I, I still read books. Um, but I've gotten real picky about it. But right now, I was going to tell you, DC has got some really good stuff. Okay. The Green Arrow book that's out right now, if you like Green Arrow, is great. I do like Green Arrow. The Green Lantern book that's out right now is incredible. And amazingly, and I haven't said this in years, the Superman book that's out right now is the shit. I've, I've heard really good things about it. It I, is I've got fucking a buddy awesome. Back home that like he just. He, the only comics he still buys are Superman action comics. And he's like, I've been doing it for years, and it's been some rough years, but he's like, the last few years have been really great, and it's awesome. Yeah. So, the Superboy and I love book. Superman. So. There's a Superboy book that's something that's really cool, too. Awesome. Where they've rebooted him, and then... I'm trying to think of what else... Uh, and then the Nightfall series I was telling you. Or not Nightfall, that's that's old. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. Night Terrors. Okay. Which is it's K and I G. You'll like it. It's okay. cool. Two issues per thing, and uh, it's really good. You know, but, it's uh, funny because it's like I have the Marvel Unlimited app, and I spend a lot of time on it. But it's great. So much of it, I spend catching up on stories that I missed. Yeah. Because it, after the mid '90s, like I just wasn't interested in mainstream comics, and then I stopped working at the comic store, and then I was a very broke musician for a long time. Right. So I just didn't, I just didn't buy comics because I was like, I don't have disposable income. It's like I'm in a band, and I'd like to have sex with women. So that's it for all my money and rent. That's all I got. Right. And um, now, being a little bit older and starting to have disposable income, looking looking at comics and stuff again, I'm just like, God, there's like, the Marvel really turned it around after 2000 and put out a lot of great stuff. Like I was just reading Immortal Iron Fist. Oh, and that's right. It's a it's killer. Immortal Hulk's that next on my list. So it's like I'm I'm still catching up from like twenty years of stories. So the the Hulk, you'll love that. I've heard so many good So it's about it. basically horror and it's it's very much um uh, Al Hewing was definitely tapped into his Lou Ferrigno era okay. Hulk when he was right. It's very episodic and it's very horror based. It's great. Awesome. Uh, it's I'm, Immortal I'm Hulk's great. To it. Um, and then there's an Immortal 4 that just came out I've I wanted heard, to I've tell you about. about as well. I've, I've and it is Al Hewing. Okay. So he's got his immortal brand on Thor now, okay. and they finally got Donny Cates off of it, which I wasn't a big fan of. Because a lot of people like Donny Cates, I wasn't a big. I'm not. He's he was very popular for me. He was writing Venom and stuff, and he did uh, the whole Null thing. And I mean, it's it's just not really my thing. He okay. he was going way. It's like 
I'll, I give him all the credit in the world. It's like you're on acid and writing Spider-Man books. It's like you're all over the place. I can't. I just can't keep up. Why isn't someone else is always living my dreams? <laughs> yeah, you're too. <laughs> right. There you go. You're doing your own Spider-Man book. <laughs> I was trying to think of another title real quick that I was reading. I was going to tell you about that I thought was really good. Oh, um, this is totally random. The Darkwing Duck book that's out right now is great. That is the most random recommendation. That that's I great. I could have. If you like Darkwing like Duck, hundred things you could have put a previews in front of me, and I could have looked at the titles. That would not have been one of my guesses. It's cool. Yeah. It's it's fun. I remember the show being really fun. Actually, it's just like it, you know? whoever's writing. He's got a lot of love for the for the okay. character, and I've been getting it. But what I was going to tell you, if you're a Frank Miller fan. He's got the Ronin series back out right now. That could be interesting. Like a lot of, like I loved his stuff in the eighties. Oh, the Daredevil shit. Nineties stuff oh. was good, and then he kind of seemed like he went off on a weird deep end. Like the Ronin thing's cool. But if that, you ever read Ronin, I did. I have. I have then you'll like this. It's Ronin. Does he draw in that style with all the, the hatching? Yes. And everything? Oh, cool. I, I like that style. And everybody's like attacking the guy. I'm like, he's almost seventy years old. It's like, what do you want from him? It's like I love Frank. Miller. I mean, shit, he's still drawing comics. He's still alive. And he's independently putting okay. his stuff out because nobody else would put it out. It's so fucking cool. So I always yeah. buy his books. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I know that like he did like a thing after like nine eleven where Batman like went to, uh, to Afghanistan or something. Yeah, I never read. I know. I was like, that's like that's. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like I don't know. Batman, you know, super, superheroes aren't supposed to solve these kinds of problems. They're supposed to be in a different. I don't know, man. But he's Frank Miller. He obviously, he can do whatever he wants. Daredevil run, oh god. I mean, that's immortal. That's gonna live forever. Yeah. I don't know how anybody. Together. Like it's like the best shit in the world. Because I, I did a couple books with the CGC signing, and I sent in and had him uh, sign my Daredevil uh, 158. Okay. The, the graveyard scene. The oh, first gotcha. already yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But I mean, how can you not love that? But it's like the Ronin thing. You might dig it though. Cool. That'd I'll have to get you some copies because that, that's the one funny thing. He won't put them out digitally. He won't what? He won't put them out. Did you have to get them physically? Nice. I, but I'll bring I, I them respect to that. Oh, I think it's cool. But he did all the art, and all these people are super critical of it. It's like, dude, he's like, if he's not seventies, getting there. It's like, it's fucking Frank Miller. Like, right. I mean, because you know, Kirby is like my personal hero, not just oh. my favorite artist. But you know, you look at some of the stuff he was doing for Pacific in the eighties, and you're like. Oh. I don't know, man. Like, this is no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, you can see the shapes and everything, but you're like, this is a far cry from even what he was doing, you know, in the mid to late seventies. But it's like, yeah, the dude's he's fucking he's seventy years old, man. I don't know. But just take it for what it is, and and you know, right? Doesn't have to be his best work, but if you're a fan, then you can appreciate where it sort of fits in the whole. Mark, it's pretty rare that you get to see an artist in real time that you spend decades with. Oh, man. And to expect somebody to be doing the same thing or the same, especially when it's a physical thing like drawing or, or you know, even playing guitar or whatever, to expect them to have the physical prowess they did at 30 when they're 70, that's no. just not really fair. It's not fair. And it's like, look at his legacy. That's just like Ramita died recently. Right, right. You know, it's horrible. But what's cool, Marvel, that entire week, Every every Marvel title had a like throwback Ramita thing. Oh, that's awesome! Which I thought was cool, you know, because I always loved him. But. You know, I I was when I was younger, I was like, no, Ditko's. Oh, Ditko's the shit. And then I kind of I just realized I never really gave the books a chance. I think I missed Ditko's writing more than I missed his art, honestly, because I feel like. Once he left, they kind of got into the predictable, like, oh, it's the Kingpin. That was good. Oh, that's the schemer. Now it's the, you know, like, really, aside from the Kingpin and the Prowler, Rhino is kind of a throwaway villain. You know, the Kangaroo, some of this shit. Yeah, that guy was weird. You know, it's the, the plotting 
of the superhero part of the book became not as good. The subplots were still good, and the art is actually fucking beautiful. But that's really what I miss more about Ditko. I think I just oh, was, he was very talented. I, I, I was a contrarian. I didn't I didn't want to like Ramita, and then I kind of realized growing up, you know, being a little kid in the late seventies, all those Spider-Man trash cans and sleeping bags. That's all Ramita's art. Oh yeah. All the fucking read-along comic book records, all the stuff that like defined my childhood. I was like, oh, it's, it's all it's all John Ramita. It's not Steve Ditko. But I'm with you on Ditko. Ditko alone, Dicko. man. The question. Yeah. I mean, Ditko's also completely insane. I mean, however insane. I love the question. Frank Miller may or may not be or have been. Ditko's probably far more insane. But he's such an eccentric, wonderful guy. The fact that. He created the most arguably mainstream superhero of all, or co-created whatever. You know, that's pretty. It's pretty neat. That's just such a fucking weird dude did that. You'll love this. My local comic book store guy, his name's Jonathan. When he was a kid, because he's only in his thirties, right? Now. Okay. But when he was a little kid, he wrote Dicko, and he wrote him once and was real nice. And then, so he, he wrote him again. And the second time, he went through and corrected all of Jonathan's spelling on his stuff. That's that's which I and he's like I actually like the letter that he corrected more than the nice letter. Right. He was. I mean, that was, <laughs> you know, Dick goes weird because on one hand he doesn't give interviews, won't be photographed. If you write him a letter, he'll like he'll respond like a four-page thing. Why you're an idiot? <laughs> and it's just like, what a fucking strange guy, dude. You know, like just what a really interesting dude. I mean, like sort of his like avenging world, like a straight Ayn Rand stuff. Oh yes. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's good comics, and I'm certainly not into objectivism. I find it interesting. It is very interesting. But it's just such an interesting piece of art. I don't know if it's good, but I'm really glad that I have some of it. I'm really glad that I've taken the time to sit there and read it and be like, where the fuck is this dude coming from, man? Like, he's so... He's so militantly in this weird... His weird idea of integrity... And it's like, you, you got to respect the guy. You do. You know, um, because he could have been making money. He could have been charging people, you know, $100 for a fucking signature for decades. And just living, he could have been living like Bob Kane, just staring around and being like, all right, I'm the Spider-Man guy. Give me money. I'll right. show up at your fucking con and do this and that. And he was like, absolutely not. Yeah, Alan Moore's the same way. Right. But Alan Moore, you know, Alan Moore's work is, I mean, I haven't read Jerusalem, but it's still, I think it's more accessible than Steve Dicko's, and it's still very Oh, no, it's, it's crazy. I've not read, but no, Watchmen, I mean, I love. And Swamp, his run on Swamp Things, what got me. Perfect. Perfect dude, that stuff. And it's funny, there's a friend of mine that I um, just kind of correspond with that lives in London. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm not sure where he was at, and he met, he met him, he met Alan Moore. And he was like, I'm not going to sign anything, but I'll take a picture. And he was super cool. But he doesn't do any of these like signings, this right, right. comic book thing, try to, try to get him in for say he won't do it. He's well, I very, think somebody asked him for his autograph while he was taking a piss in the 80s, and he's just like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and that was it. And, I've uh, never heard that. That's great. He, yeah. That sounds like him, too. Yeah, he's, he's not. I, I, I heard some interesting things, just like, you know, like he was really breaking everybody at Mar, you know, all, especially Stan Lee's balls in the early 90s. Sure. And then, you know, but at the same time, he was, like, not letting DC reprint some of the stuff that he had worked on, despite the artists wanting to do it, and the artists, you know, guys like Steve Bissett were like, bro, I just want to get fucking paid for right. these Swamp Thing things that we did, and more it's like, no, they can't do anything, blah, blah, and it's like, so, what's 
worse, you know, it's like taking credit for other people's work and, you know, kind of hogging the glory and turning yourself into a brand or going so far the opposite way that you're preventing your collaborators from making money off the work that they've done with you. And it's like, this is also some sort of like monstrous ego at play in a different direction. This is really, I don't know, I found that to be a really interesting argument. He's, yeah, and I'll I tell you the, oh, oh, another weird one is is him and, um, oh gosh, he was feuding with, uh, this is about 20 years ago, with, um, thank God Alan Moore doesn't do that on Twitter. Oh, I know. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't have the internet, but, I mean, I love the guy. But it's like, but what, um, the guy that did the, uh, the Hellblazer stuff. Oh, Mike. Uh, oh, uh, the artist. Is it? I cannot believe I cannot think. Of I was it. about to say Delano, but it's a writer. Um, anyway, it'll, it'll come to me tomorrow. Yeah, oh, <laughs> me too. So they were, I guess, talking about this stuff, and and I love Stanley. I mean, I think Stanley. How can you not like Stan? It's like, I love Stan. I mean, I, you know, I think of Stan is like my third grandpa. In the uh, did you ever get to meet him? I, I met him in '94. Awesome. Uh, I mean, it just, <laughs> that's it, when it, I met him. I met him right before he did Mall Rats. Yeah, I mean, it was at a signing. It was at San Diego um, back when it was mostly people selling comics, and he had his assistant there, some lady with him. I have this cover of Fantastic Four number one with no cover on it, and I, you know, I whatever I brought like five books to sign. And he goes, the first Fantastic Four, 1963. And I was like, wasn't it 1961? And his assistant goes, I think it was 1961, Stan. 1963, okay. And I was like, could you write Excelsior? I don't know, it's one more word. I'm just playing with you, of course. And I was like, damn, that was cool. He didn't call me True Believer, but... That's still pretty good. I didn't want to ask for it because of you know, it seems too, it's That's too awesome. awesome. You got, did you get to meet anybody else? No, you know, like... I met Neil Gaiman once. I met he was really Perez, weird. Actually. Neil Gaiman was really weird. I can imagine. He seems like... He was nice. He was just really weird. Because my friends didn't tell me who he was. Oh, okay. And this is at a time where I wasn't reading comics in like the early 90s. And I actually took him to this event that my friends were doing um, in Florida. And he was very bizarre. I, he seems like... Very he smart guy. Yeah. But just really bizarre. And like, a great writer, great prose writer, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I met George Perez at that same con. Fuck, you met George That's awesome. Yeah. And it was, again, it was just like, we signed my thing, and I was like, I had him sign a couple of my late 70s Avengers books. And I was Incredible. like, you know, you're the best team book drawer or artist drawer. You're the best <laughs> team book artist, you know, ever. That's so awesome. By default, best Avengers artist, best. JLA artist, best oh, yeah. And he was like, Oh, well, if you like my Avengers stuff, like, I actually did a poster with every single member up to that point or whatever, because it was like the 30th anniversary yeah. coming up. And I'm, so I immediately went out and bought that poster and still have that. So I don't, I don't know what he signed for me. It's somewhere in my box. It's so cool, though. Yeah, it's sad. I had a bunch of stuff at CGC for him to sign, and then he passed yeah. during the signing, which was horrible. Just like, but. Well, I mean, I never know, got to meet him. I would have loved to have met it him. It seemed like people, you know, they at least saw it coming and they were able to reprint that JLA Avengers book that he did with Kurt Busiek, uh, which, I mean, honestly, is one of my favorite comics ever because it's like, if I could ever write a comic, that, you know, one thing that would be what I would want to do because okay. it's like you get to put it with all the toys. It's just like being a kid in my backyard with all my Secret Wars toys and all my Superpowers toys because that's what I did. And it was like, Same here. you know, Wolverine tries to cut Superman and it's a whole thing and whatever, you know. <laughs> so I was like, damn, you got to do that, like, for real. <laughs> I mean, it's... I, 
Neil Adams was the last person I got to meet before. Amazing. But it was crazy because there was I couldn't believe it. I was at this con and there was nobody talking to him. And I stood and talked to him. I was like, I'm sorry if I'm wasting your time. He's like, he's like, would you mind getting me a beer? I was like, for Neil Adams? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was trying to give me the money. I was like, no, no. Here's two. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'll be all. Yeah, it's Neil Adams. Dude, his the Batman run. Oh my god. I mean, it just it re it saved that character. Basically. All the Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. I mean, goddamn, that's between the, him, Denny O'Neill, and Steve Englehart. I mean, they just saved the characters. The best stuff. And no disrespect to Carmen Infantino. Ah, but me some empty. I hate the shit. But uh, the Flash stuff we were talking about. Yeah, that's, he did a lot. Of, and yeah. the Green didn't he do a lot of the Green Lantern? He did a fair amount of Green Lantern, but yeah, Flash was his real. Oh, I love the Flash. Stuff. He did kind of. He helped Batman kind of survive because I think before the TV show, it was like one of DC's like worst selling books, which seems really like inconceivable. Like what, Batman? And like, damn, I, I never heard that. That's crazy. I also heard that, like, in the before Crisis on Infinite Earths and all the, you know, yeah. burn and everybody going to DC, apparently, like, Superman was selling less than Alpha Flight. Really? <laughs> I was like, wow. Really? Yeah. By the way, they brought that back recently. They did. I've been I, reading it. I love, I loved Alpha Flight. Well, you need people, to, people you call know, it Alpha Flight. It's on that. I'm like, that's, no. I'll it's on that. Oh, okay. Dude, it's fucking. There's I'll only been one it. issue. Okay. Second issue comes out, I think, in like a week or two. Oh, it's exciting. Oh, dude, it's it's really. I I love Alpha Flight. Yeah, I thought Alpha Flight was. Everybody great. gives me shit about it's. Well, it's just like, and, and you say it now, and people base it on the MCU, which I love. But it's like I always love Kang the Conqueror. I love. It. And everybody's all like, you just like it because it's like no. When I was a little kid, I loved the Scrawl and Kang the Conqueror. I mean, I do still have my Secret Wars Kang from when I was a kid. Fuck yeah. And then a few years ago, I got one on tour because Ross is a big toy guy, so he sucked me back into buying toys here and there. <laughs> and I got a Secret Wars, a carded Secret Wars Kang. That's and then sick. I was like, oh, shit, he's going to be the new villain. I was like, I guess that was a smart toy to buy. <laughs> I actually thought the Ant-Man movie was awesome. You know, I, lo- I had a great time watching it. It was a little thin, like some of the... Stuff doesn't land. Oh, well, I mean, Ant Man. I meant Kang is what I like. But, yeah, right. I was going to say, like, Janet Van Dyne and Kang, great movie. Yeah. The rest is like, eh, it's yeah, kind of, it's it just, doesn't. It's like a, you get like a Marvel comic. Star Wars, romp. Marvel comic, space romp. Yeah. Um, but it was fun, you know. Um, and I love, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of controversy with Jonathan Majors. I don't know what's up with yeah, him. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know what's up with him as a person. He was great. He's a good fucking actor, though. I'll he was great that. as Kang, I thought. He was great in Creed. He was great in Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country's great. I mean, but, yeah. When he came in Loki, I was just like, I couldn't take my fucking, I was like riveted, like, holy shit. So in October, supposedly, he's in the whole season. That's what I've heard. That's so what they're saying. Ready. We'll see. I thought Loki was awesome. Yeah, you? that's my birthday present from Marvel this year. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I, my birthday's in October, so I get oh, Happy early birthday. Yeah. You get Loki. I mean, and it, it can't be worse than Secret Invasion, no matter what. What did you, so, yeah, so here's my thing with that. I'm actually glad you brought that up. I love the scroll and I love Nick Fury and I was just like, what is this? It, I, I don't, I didn't hate it. I just, it was just anticlimactic and it was really slow. It was like I was watching a, uh, uh, and I don't, I'm not knocking people that like this, but it was like I was watching a Jack Ryan thing and it's like, right. what, what am I watching? 
I just felt like it was like somebody promised me like the best tasting thing ever and they brought me like a LaCroix like bubble water yes and I, I don't mind LaCroix I drink it That's you know, good. like a hot day or if I'm trying to like oh I just drank a lot of beer the other day I should probably not drink beer again I'll have that it's fine it's fine but it's but if somebody like built it up like you're gonna love this it's the best oh, drink in the world I'd be like what the fuck dude this barely tastes like a half of a lime and that's it's very disappointing that's the whole thing just felt like I was like where's who and I didn't like the way they flipped the characterization of the scrolls because I was like I don't know man they got a really legitimate argument like they got used by shield I'm like they're supposed to be the bad guys and I think if they would have brought in the religious extremist angle from the comics it would have made them much more hateable as villains instead I was like they seem like they got a pretty fair gripe. I mean, you know, obviously, shouldn't be blowing people up, but I mean, it's a superhero show. You got some action, right? But I was like, there. Uh, I don't know. Nick Fury seems like kind of the, the the asshole here, and like there was a whole scene where he's like getting all his accoutrements out of the graveyard. And he's like gearing up, and I was just like, I don't know. It just looked like another movie with like Samuel L. Jackson with a gun. I was like, it doesn't. I'm not getting excited, you know. It almost started getting kind of good at the end, and I was just like, "Here's one that I and I, I, I'm ready to to take abuse from you on this." But I I could not get into Guardians three, and everybody just thought it was the greatest thing they'd yeah. ever seen. I thought it was morbidly depressing, and I didn't understand what I was watching. Like it just felt like because I thought the first movie was incredible. Right. I thought the second movie was not that great, and then I saw this movie, and I was like. This stuff with Rocket was morbidly depressing. I felt like you missed an incredible opportunity with uh, uh, High Evolutionary. You had a great opportunity to do something amazing with that, yes. and you didn't. And then the rest of it is just, and again, you guys know this, and I'm sorry out there, but I, I got to do this. I just don't. I don't understand everybody's obsession with James Gunn. I don't think he's the greatest director in the world. I mean, he's okay. I didn't like that Suicide Squad movie either. Huh. I did like Peacemaker. I thought Peacemaker yeah. was great. I like I like the Suicide Squad movie a lot, and I, I thought Peacemaker was great. I did like the first two, and I liked the third one. But did I, you love it? Like I know I these people that were just like it. like they had seen it. Top Gun last year, and I'm like, I, I didn't do that when I walked out of Guardians. I was just like, I liked it, but I felt like it. It was sad, but it was kind of in a lazy, sad way. Like, yeah. I think it was Judd Apatow that was saying, like, you know, I'm a comedy director, and people think it's easy, and it's not serious. And he's like, you know what's easy? Making people cry. Just kill a dog. Kill a dog in your fucking movie. I'm going to cry. Everyone's going to fucking sure. cry. It's easy. And that's what a lot of that felt like to me. I was like, this just seems a little lazy. And can we agree that Adam Warlock was terrible? Well, I just, I didn't even think that it was terrible. I just think that they, they switched, the, they switched, the, the, the serious story should have been the one that was played for laughs, and the one that was played for laughs should have been the serious one. I Adam Warlock, Counter-Earth, High Evolutionary, I think it's a really interesting idea. Obviously, it's a biblical thing, whatever. And I was like, they spent like 10 minutes on that. And I was like, fuck. There's so much more to sink your teeth into. A lot. And that could have been neat. And especially like this idea, Adam Warlock, he's this, you know, perfect being, but he's, you know, unmolded clay or whatever. 
and nothing was really done with that and that could have been the serious side while you let the Guardians be the goofy side and instead they were like look at this dork Adam Warlock and it's like yeah that's kind of funny but like I don't know these guys were funny already and you're making them be sad and then this guy was I was like it just feels like you're trying to I don't know it, it was good I liked it I don't. I don't think it will have the most like rewatch value for me. But yeah, I just. I don't know. He lost me with the second movie and the third one. And see, the Suicide Squad. I'll tell you. I know a lot of people liked it. I'm the odd man out on that. I wanted more Harley. Huh. Like if you watch that, there's not. She's not really in it. Right. And to the point now where she won't even do Never the character. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, like she got really pissed, and I guess they had it out and some kind of thing. And I was sitting there going, "Well, this sucks," because I love Harley. I mean, I'm not even—I don't even really like the character of Harley Quinn, but I love the show Harley Quinn. But it's also like not putting Margot Robbie in front of a camera seems like a dumb idea. You know, that just seems foolish. Kids, I love the Barbie movie. There's you a funny... Oh, I love the Barbie movie. Ross was like, we got to see the Barbie movie. I was like, we're going to be in Australia. He's like, we got three days off. We're going to see Barbie. I was like, this is what you want to do? I'll go, I'll go with you. It's fine. I, Ron Gosling was hilarious. I had no expectation. I fucking laughed my ass off. I had some feelings. I was like, this is awesome. It was fun. It was super fun. And, and, it was like, and it was like, you know, it was like... I had a good message. I thought for everybody, people were like, oh, it's man hating. I was like, no. It was deep, it was deeply sympathetic to this guy. He's like, all I know how to do is this one thing. And like, he's hilarious. Now what? And Barbie was like, oh fuck, I'm sorry. Like, shit. It was like, oh, that's like a really tender way to handle this sort of like, you know, toxically masculine doofus or whatever. Not be like, fuck him. It's like, oh shit, you need a hug, dude. I don't know. I can't be what you want me to be, but like, let's figure this out and be cool. It was hilarious. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was. I, I like I said, I had no expectations. I was just like, yeah. And it was great. I yeah, it. it was fun. I, I think there's too many people that get wrapped up in, uh, and like. The Guardian thing, people seem to love it. I just, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just that day. I think sometimes you see movies and yeah. it's like, uh, you know. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, you know, I think that the, 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 the problem with the MCU is that Marvel only kind of tells certain types of stories. And they wrapped up the last one so fucking well. And people, I think people that aren't comics fans or science fiction fans or whatever, that aren't in that like nerd culture, they're like, well, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it's not your favorite cuisine, but you go to a restaurant, it's really good. And they're like, cool, you gotta come back because we're gonna try this other dish out. And you're like, no, I'm good. I had, I had the dish. <laughs> like, I, I don't need to come back and eat this kind of food for like a year. Right. And I think that the audience is getting fatigued and they're kind of trying to scramble to figure out what to do with it, you know? Um, I, I, I'll keep coming back forever. I, I like that one thing they do. It's great. Oh, man, I'm... Yeah. It's my whole childhood. What's your favorite uh, MCU picture? Uh, I think I'd go with The Winter Soldier. Amen. Not my favorite comic storyline, but... But amen. It made the best movie. What a great movie. Yeah. It felt really tense. It felt really high stakes. It had good acting. It had clever dialogue that was actually smart and not just zippy. Yep. Um, I cared about every single character. Every single character had something to do. You know, because the problem when you have all this, these ensemble casts, like, what do you do? You know, that was the problem with the first two Avengers. You know, it's like, some of the characters don't get to do anything. Right, they're just hanging out. Here you go, you get mind controlled. Here you go, you're tied to a chair or whatever. Right. It's like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, I, th I thought that was, that was probably still the best. 
It's really good. I watched it recently. It's really, I mean, it's hard to beat that movie. It's Every day when I'm like coming over and I can't get out of bed, which is becoming less often, but still, like maybe you get it once a month, once every six weeks. You're like, dude, I'm still like lay here and, you know, order pizza eventually. And I always just rewatch stuff while I'm just kind of fading in and out. Because right. it's like I'm so familiar with the source material and the movies. And, you know, so yeah, I, I do get a lot of rewatch finally about it. I think Civil War is one I rewatch the most. It's fun. Because it tickles all the little kid stuff, you know? Oh, I, I think it's. And it's not quite as smart as some of the other movies. You're just like, I don't know. They got to fight for reasons. I just fell asleep for a half hour. I woke up. Oh, look, it's, you know, the Falcon. Cool. I'm happy. You know what's weird? I, I I hope they don't mess it up, but Armor Wars is the one I'm worried about. And really fuck. That and, amazingly, uh, Thunderbolts. I hope they don't fuck that up. Because well, I've been reading stuff, and it's like, how the fuck is Baron Zemo not in this movie? They're like, oh well, he's not in it. It's like, uh, I have to think. Why is he not in it? I have to think that he's. I mean, I have that guy they have playing him. I think is wonderful. He's best part of that Falcon Winter Soldier show. I love that show too. God damn, he was the shit. Baron Zemo. He puts the second I saw the mask, I was was like, yes, it was punching the air with the light. I mean, I think I think he has to be in it, and I just think they have to say that he's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think the mainstream audience maybe doesn't care as much, and it's going to be something that's more rewarding for people. You know, at least until the internet spoils it, like you know, on day two or whatever. Right. But I don't know. I mean, the Thunderbolts was one of my favorite books. You know, the later Marvel stuff after I kind of stopped reading comics. Right. But the run with Winter Soldier as the one I didn't like. So I don't know what it's going to be. You know, I don't know what happened. The Brubaker run. No, I don't. Was it Brubaker? Yeah, Brubaker did the. He did the one. Okay, the Winter I, Soldier one. Yeah. I started the run where he took over the team, and I was like, "This art's ugly." I don't no, no, I'm care with about the story. The right. Well, you should give the read the okay. art. I don't like. Okay. I forget who did the art on that, but but the story's right. Okay, because like the Warren Ellis, the Warren Ellis run on Thunderbolts, it looks perfect. The tone's perfect. The writing's oh, perfect. Shit. I was like. I, after I read that ten issue span, I literally just immediately went back and reread it. It's again. so this is some of the best comics I've read. And you know, again, this is all old stuff I'm catching up on. But hey, I mean, it's you. But yeah, if you got it, if you felt like going through that again, the Winter Soldier one, because it's from like '07. Yeah, I'm gonna have to before the movie. So I mean, I. I don't like the art. I'm with you on the art. Okay. I forget who did the art. Shame on me. I don't remember. But but Rubik, I mean, I like it. The story's pretty solid. And it's the whole... They, remember, they tied it in with Civil War. Right. Which was not the greatest story. No. No, it was kind of... A, it was honestly kind of a hot mess. Another thing I was going to take is... Uh, you probably still like Spider-Man. I mean, as a property, as an intellectual so, property. So, well, <laughs> on the app, read the... Bendis Spider-Man that's on like issue 14. Okay. I mean anything they like introduce Bendis, Spider-Boy. I, I Spider-Boy's a really cool character. Oh, Bendis is great. Yeah, anything he does or anything Dan Slott does. Yeah. You know, I like I remember hearing about the, when the 
Actually, maybe it's Sloth that... Maybe, actually, you're right. I think it may be Sloth that's on this book. Either way, I'm sure. If they're writing it's it, it's really good. good. It's but it's Spider-Man. Okay. And it's on issue like... Just look up whatever it is with Spider-Man. See, and that's, what I, that's so frustrating with all the various numbering and volumes and everything. It's so fucking confusing. It's very fucking confusing. Like, I mean, I thought it was confusing when I was a kid. <laughs> and it was just like Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, and Marvel Team-Up. But they were all at least consecutively numbered. And, you know, now it's like there's seven different titles with the same name that have been started and restarted, and then they've restarted the numbering from the previous point, and I was just like, dude, come on, man. (laughs) It's a lot. It's just, it's, it's, you know, I I should be grateful because it's one of the things that stops me from going to the comic store every week and blowing money I really shouldn't on current comics. You read on that. Exactly. But again, like I said, I'm mostly catching up on older stuff that I've heard about. Now. The the current Ghost Rider run is the shit. Okay, that's a character I never cared that much about, but the f- I'll look, check it out. Even if you just do this, because I sold somebody on this recently. Even if you're just looking at the art, okay. That I'm I, and forgive me again. Can I think of his name saved my life? The artist on that, and I'm not really sure what his palette is, if he's doing like digital or he's actually penciling. God damn, it's fucking huh. awesome. Okay. I mean he looks sinister as shit in it. And it's on issue like twenty something. So that's, I think. that's a very jump on a point. Oh dude, it's like I said, it's I mean, if I could come on an amazing Spider Man two oh eight, I guess it could come on a Ghost Rider twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like I said, it's it's I don't know why I like Ghost Rider, and there's a Dan Catch. It looks cool. Well, there, there's a Dan Catch book. At, I'm not telling you to read that. This is just Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. Okay. It's just, but it doesn't say Johnny Blaze, but it's just Ghost Rider. Right. But the the Dan Catch title, it's not bad. I like it. I think it's a limited series. It's okay, but I was never really into Dan Catch. I'm more of a Carter Slade. Okay. Uh, I do like Ghost Rider, but and and this is embarrassing to say, but I, I actually like that first Nicolas Cage movie. I thought it was okay. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Oh, it's the second one's terrible because when he's Ghost Rider, he doesn't talk as Ghost Rider. The first one's fucking hilarious. The first guy he grabs, he gives him the fucking penance stare. It's pretty fucking bitching. Huh. If you like the care, I mean, they kept it pretty. Sure, is it campy and it's old? That movie count like 07, Sure, everybody's like, oh, it's stupid, but the contents there. If you read the book, I mean, the other thing too, I think, is that. You know, people that are significantly younger than you and I probably have a lower tolerance for movies like that because sure. they've seen a lot of good superhero movies. Oh, yeah. When we were growing up, you know, in the early 80s, you know, really through the whole 20th century, I mean, it was like most superhero live-action adaptations are horrible. Like, like really bad. Not and occasionally like oh pretty good like I mean at X-Men I was like that was actually pretty good and that's really dated you know yeah. um, so I think they're very spoiled and it's easy for people to maybe poo poo some of the stuff yeah I was just understandable. I was kind of just happy to be like dude I'm I'm still happy to tell everyone today that I love Chris Reeves as Superman oh, that's, yeah still those I like the first three movies. I know the third one, it's Richard Pryor, but it's still got a lot of fun stuff in it. The, the third one is fun. The it is fun. Two is my favorite. It's You know what a guy said recently, because they put it out in 4K, and he said, this is the greatest Chris Reeves co-starring movie with Richard Pryor. Absolutely. And it is. But And, and then the... Um, the the sister that gets turned into the robot, that's where I'm a big Star Trek fan. That's where they came up with the idea for the Borg. Uh, Ron Moore came. Ron Moore was stoned watching Superman three in like 1984 and was like the Borg. 
from watching uh, the sister get turned into the, from uh, the Gus computer, the Richard Pryor character computers. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh. I mean, I'm not a big Star Trek fan, but even I know who the fucking board is. That's pretty, oh, yeah. that, that's pretty amazing. Well, I mean, I... I don't know. I love I, I love Star Trek. I don't know why. I just always liked it. Dude, it was my thing to me as a Star kid. And I think when I was a kid. My uncle was a Trekkie. I think he kind of pushed uh, it off on me because he would take me to conventions. I had pictures of me when I was like six years old with um, Gene Roddenberry oh, and wow. Mitchell Barrett, that did you know his wife that did the voice of the computer, and she was also Nurse Chapel and oh. uh, DeForest Kelly. I mean, I, I got I got introduced to royalty as a kid. Nurse Chapel, nice job, Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, and she was the voice of the computer in Next Generation. Excuse me, original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. And Enterprise. Oh wow! Okay. And all the movies. Okay. Well, not the Abrams stuff, but I don't check sure. that stuff. Yeah, I, I saw one of the Abrams movies, and I was like, "This is." I mean, I'm not even a big Star Trek fan. I was like, "This is Star Trek." No, it's not. I was like, "This is like Indiana Jones, Star Wars, just but with the Star Trek." Yeah, it's it. high action Star Trek for tweens, I guess at the time. I don't know what yeah. they were aiming for because it wasn't me because I walked out of that going, "What the hell did I just watch?" Was that a was that a Mountain Dew ad? Yeah, I, I watched like, it on the plane, and I was like, "Well, I'm glad I didn't." Spend money on this. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm sitting on an international flight drinking free beer watching this. It's like, yeah, this is about what it's worth. Yeah, it's. I'm not a J.J. Abrams fan. Yeah, I don't. Not so. So, Star Wars, you like Star Wars? I was a Star Wars guy, but, you know, but I realized that I held on to Star Wars for a long time because I didn't have any, anything else. Sure. Now that I have like 47 Marvel and DC TV movies and everything You're set. else. And the last three Star Wars movies are range from. Like not very good to unwatchable. Right. I'm just like I just don't care about this franchise, and like I I, I want to watch Andor and Ashoka and stuff. I do, but I just uh, it's like Mandalorian was pretty cool. Yeah, it's like the Boba Fett thing. Good was and okay half too. The Boba Did Fett you watch that? Yeah, until they had the kid gang with the Vespas. I was like, guys, <laughs> no. Well, my problem was, and we go back to Ant Man with this too for the Boba Fett show. Guys, I understand you want your face in the film, but it's like the the, the six year old in me wants you in the shit. I mean, to I me, want you in the mask. Yeah, I want you in the. So for Boba Fett, I need you in the armor. Uh, Jonathan Majors, I need you in the full can get up the whole damn time. Yes. Nothing disrespectful to you as an actor. I know who you are, well, the, but give me my whoopee. Yeah, my, my biggest my biggest pet peeve in the MCU is just the stupid dissolving masks that come on off. It's like there's no need for that. Say, all right, guys, we're all about to get in a big fight. Let's just stand here, take out off our masks, so that everyone knows that we're famous people. Got it? Okay, now let's throw a bunch of CGI at this. And it's like, do you have to? Like, must you? Like, what? Come on, guys. Who's your favorite Spider-Man actor? Actor? The, the movies weren't good, but I like Andrew Garfield. He's pretty good. As as the just the performance, him. Not my favorite movies at all. Why? Who's yours? Holland. I think Holland's great. He's I I maybe he's not in real life, but he seems so nerdy and I just I love him. He pulls it off, yeah. Especially the second movie. I know everybody loves the third movie because you got the three Spider Mans. And it was great. But I love Far From Home. I don't know why. I just huh. I thought they did Mysterio really well. I love the way Mysterio looked. I wasn't a fan of the plot of that movie. Oh no, the plot's got awful. I just well, it just went in a direction that I didn't that I personally as a fan didn't want. Because I thought they, at the end of the first one, it seemed really obvious to me what the setup was. The setup is Stark moves out of Avengers Tower, Osborn moves in, 
the Scorpion and Vulture are in jail together. Somehow they get back out, Os Oscorp makes some other supervillain, and then you're building the Spider-Man universe, whereas this was all or about... Or the Sinister Six, which yeah, was shit. right. And then this was just about, it was like an Iron Man spinoff with Mysterio. You're right. And Mysterio was great. And like the way they worked him, that was cool. He looked pretty bitch. And that, that one thing where, did you see it in the theater? Yeah, of course. So where, I figured you did. Every but, every movie I'm going up now. Yeah. <laughs> fucking dork. But uh, same here. It was it was like he took over the theater, that scene where he's like controlling, where he yes. really got on him. I was just like, shit. I was like, I could watch an hour of just that. It was great. And like, Jake Gyllenhaal was great. And, you know, it was good. It's just, it's not even a bad movie. I, I rewatched it recently again. I was just, I don't know why I like it. I don't have an explanation. Maybe it was the Go-Go's at the end, and it came out in the summer, and I was like, I'm a little kid again. Yeah, Spider-Man movie. I more the second time around, <laughs> for sure. But I was just like, I want a Spider-Man movie, not like an Iron Lad movie. And you, you know, that's you a fair complaint. You have Ironheart already to do this with. I, 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 I understand. It wasn't it didn't make sense. I was just like, there was this other avenue that seemed to be wide open and set up by the first film that was specifically Spider-Man. And even by the end of the third movie, I was like, great. So he's finally Spider-Man. It took three movies from just to be Spider-Man. He's sitting alone in his apartment. He's got no money. Nobody likes him. He's sewing his dumbass suit so he can j jump around on roofs. That's that's it. That, was, that could have been the fucking start, dude. Well, if you've not heard this, you're going to be happy. So Garfield, because Holland's taken, I guess, a break from acting, period. Oh. So Garfield is who's in the next film. Sick. And I'm assuming they're sticking with the same director, so they're just going to okay. run... A movie with Garfield. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and he's great. He's, he really He is. was a killer Spider-Man Peter Parker. Oh, man. And like there was a scene in, I think, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is a terrible movie. And he's talking to some other character. And I was like, this is the first time that I've ever seen a live-action Spider-Man. I was like, oh, this is, a, this is like a teenager from New York. I felt like I was watching a teenager from Queens. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, that's... This was supposed to be the whole time. Yeah, McGuire I could never get into. He just always looks like he's about to cry. Well, my problem is, is you've got this guy that looks like he is an adult film actor in the suit, and then he's like two foot tall in real life. So when I would watch those movies, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, I'm not dumb, Sam Raimi. Like, I love you, but it's like, I'm not stupid either. I, I, you know, I thought Tim McGuire was fine, but it wasn't like my dream Spider-Man. Although it's Spider-Man, little though. Spider but next time you watch it, it'll bother you. I'm telling you, he looks okay. like he's the lollipop kid from Willy Wonka. It's like, why is he Spider-Man? Like, but he's a bad actor. He's just, he's, it's just weird. No, he's. A, I think he's a good actor. I just wasn't, wasn't my choice. I did think Spider-Man Two was a fantastic movie. It is. Doc Ock. It's great. Doc Ock's great in that third. Uh, yeah, oh, he's Molina, fucking man. hilarious. I was like. He's I remember watching it as Doc Ock, and I was like, wait a minute, I know that dude. That's the you throw me the idol, I throw you the whip dude. Yes, it Holy is. shit. <laughs> he was my favorite line in that third uh, Tom Holland picture uh, from Doc Ock. He's just like, Osborne. He, he says something like, I, got it. I had it, and I've He says something like, oh, walking around, nothing but a corpse, but you're supposed to be a corpse. You know, just, he's like, what do you mean I'm dead? And you're, but right. You know who blew me away in that movie? Jamie Foxx is Electro. Jamie Foxx is a great actor. He was just giving shit material. He was great in that. Did you not think in the... No, he was awesome. They finally, it was like, fuck. Because yeah. I love when he would finally light up. He had right. the, the, the face. Yeah, shit. I was like, yeah. 
because I love me some electro. And I just thought the whole thing too, it was really cool. Like he, he's like, man, I thought Spider-Man was black. And I just tapped into what's so great about the character is that because it's fully masked, every little kid, whether you're reading it in fucking Korea or France or wherever you are, every little kid can imagine themselves in that. Right, you're welcome. You see yourself in it. And I just thought that was really powerful. And it was also like a cute nod to, you know, Miles Morales and even like the Prowler back in the day, you know. But that that was a really neat kind of throwaway line. It was kind of funny, but it also had a lot of heart. And I was just like, oh, it was incredible. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. Got me in the feels, guys. It was so awesome. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for doing yeah, this, I, man. I, I have talked to your head Also, off I'm in a death metal band, and it's, you know, I guess it's fairly good, but hey. He's in a great death metal band <laughs> called Exhumed. You should go see them. He's in a, another amazing band called Gruesome, and gosh, everything you're in. <laughs> I mean, every everything. So, I asked you about this earlier, and you all are mixing the new... We're, we're halfway done with the final final work on the new gruesome album but Incredible. we're well, i don't know end of the year seems optimistic but we're we're close what's in there that's cool what's that it's cool that you got it it's I'm you've got all it. kinds of stuff and then yeah on. the third pounder album's done uh, just waiting on the artwork pounders the shit exhumed uh new ep beyond the dead live streaming everywhere unfortunately no physical release but maybe down the line we'll think of something and uh yeah lots more shit on the way Dude, thank you so much for doing Dude, this. thank you. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.